Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the KNGM podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your other host, Anastasius. So, we're back one more month. This is... August's episode, it's just that we're recording in the end of the month. Yeah, so it may come out a bit later. And I haven't figured out how we should release the episodes. Releasing them at the start of the next month allows us to comment on possible news that take place during the whole month. But then again, the previous month's episode releases in the next month. So it's the same whether at the beginning or the end you just comment on the previous month or the current month. I don't think it's that much of an issue. So yeah, beginning of the month, end of the month. I think until now they came out at the end of the month. So unless we want to skip a month or something nah. like that. Yeah. We'll probably just keep it this way. This allows us to comment on possible news during the month. Even though our comments are late. That way we have some space and time to get a grasp on what's all, going on. Yeah, the news of the whole month. And possible updates as well. Yeah, speaking of... What what have have you been been up to? Since the last time, I've been quite busy. I have finished building Indomitus. I think I'm at 99% because I just need to finish cutting some scarab swarms. But a lot of the units, most of the space marines, they are in uh, sub-assemblies. So I have to prime them, sub-assembled, and paint them this way. Because you can't really paint when one of them have a huge shield in front of them. You can't paint anything. So that is the issue I'm having, but I don't think it's going to be a major one. It's going slowly but steady. Other than that... My lovely girlfriend, Nicole, was here for a few days, and with her help, I managed to reorganize various parts of my collections. Now the books are more organized. We actually undertook two major projects. One of them was to categorize my magic cards, which took up so much time. I can't believe how much time it took. Uh, Especially when we thought we were over, we were done with them, and we found two more boxes. Now, are you done with them, or do you still have more? Well, the commons and the uncommons are categorized by set. The rares as well, I think, but I have something else I want to do with them. I want them to... I want to put them in a binder, so that uh, is a whole different process. Another huge thing we did was to pretty much gather everything I got the last two years that were either still in their boxes or or even still in their shipping packaging because I didn't have the time in the last two years to take them out of the shipping boxes and organize them as well. We actually shot a video where we check out the stuff I managed to hoard for the last two years. Some of them you have seen, others you haven't. You'll see them in the video when I manage to edit it. I want to do something different with this video, so it's going to take more time for it to come out. Yeah, as for me, I'm trying to get back in uh, routine, 
now that university is starting again. We still don't know how the whole process will go. I mean, up until the 27th of August, we didn't know how the exams were going to be, were going to go down, let's say, whether online or in person. And uh, by the way, the exams start at 4th of September, so it's not like uh, we had a lot of time to prepare. Yeah, especially if some, if a student is from a very far part of... Yeah, if they need to travel. Anyway, and uh, we still don't know how the actual lessons will happen, but the exams will be online. My guess is that they will start in person because, uh, because of the same reason why the tourism thing went on even though we had the pandemic which is complaints by people yeah who rent houses who rent apartments in the food industry in the yeah yeah all that yeah stuff so probably because of their complaints classes will begin in person but probably things will go south and we'll we'll have a second online uh, yeah, yeah well, there will be a second quarantine because now is cases here begin to climb again. Yeah. Now we're at, uh, I don't know, around a bit below 300 cases per day. It depends. Sometimes you're going to get around 250, 280. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. even lower, but it's it's around that. Yeah. And uh, it might seem low. Well, it goes with the... Yeah, with the total population. Exactly. Well. I really don't know what's going to happen with it. Anyway, let's move on from this depressing topic. So, uh, news about stuff, stuff, more related to the actual tabletop scene and all that. First of all, big news, new supplement for D&D. Yeah. Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Indeed. Seems to be similar to Xanathar's Guide to Everything, follows even the same title theme, and uh, has a lot of stuff from Unearthed Arcana, I noticed. Yeah, this is a theme. These, um, the November releases, not not November releases, the releases that follow the Xanathar theme tend to feature a lot of the Unearth Arcana content. Yeah, subclasses, magic items, I saw magic tattoos, which were an yeah. Unearth Arcana thing. I'm uh, excited for it. Generally, I don't really care for uh, adventures and, you know, setting guides or something like that, because I'm more focused on the mechanics rather than the lore. So, I'm happy for this. I'm happy because it has an amazingly beautiful alternate cover. You say that for every alternate cover art. Because every alternate cover art is amazing. It's really good. And I want it. And I'll get it. (laughs) But before we get that, we have two releases I'm looking forward to. The first one is Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. And there's also Hero's Feast, the official D&D cookbook. I really want to check that cookbook out. Will you get it? Yeah, I've already pre-ordered it. (laughs) Okay. Pre-ordered it, meaning two months ago I went to my local game store and told the owner I want those two books. You know what to do. You don't even have to ask me which cover you want. uh, I want. So, yeah. Okay, okay. So, when actually does Tasha's Cauldron come out? The 17th of November, which is two months and two days after Icewind Dale. As of the Curse of Strad revamped boxed adventure, I talked about it on the blog. Yeah. I'm not gonna take up more time. I'm gonna have a link to the blog post. I'm not that excited. That's all. 
Okay, beyond that, uh, do we have anything else to talk about? I'm not sure, because I'm not sure how much we can talk about. Yeah, we have some other stuff yeah, that are going on, but they are secret. Secret. Up to point, I mean, people on Twitter know something's going on. But yeah, we're working on a project that may or may not end up as a Kickstarter. It's, um, it's a collaboration from various creators. And we'll see what will happen with that. Speaking of projects, another reminder to go ahead and check out our uh, supplement that we released uh, a bit ago. It has undead monsters, plenty of them. It's quite interesting, if I'm allowed to say that about our own creation. It's also cheap, so we'll have a link for that as well. Undead at every size in the drive through RPG. But that's all for news as well, and we'll move on to the main topic. <music> So, the main topic for today is a bit broad, let's say. Abstract. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with Dungeons and Dragons specifically. It has to do with classes in RPGs. Or more specifically, RPGs that have classes and RPGs that are classless. Tabletop RPGs, of course. And uh, to be more specific... We'll talk about the role that classes play, why do we have classes in an RPG, what are the positives and what are the negatives of this design decision. I'm going to interrupt you here because you made a nice pun in my eyes. The classes play a role. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was unintentional, but uh, good A surprise, you. but a welcome one. Anyway, about our personal experiences, let's say, with its category, we've played D&D, obviously, which does have classes. It has well-defined classes. Yeah. We've played some Open Legend, with, which has absolutely no classes. And, and we have uh, played Nave, which has the idea of classes. But it's also a sort of a micro-RPG, which are a bit different in their design decisions. But yes, it is worth a mention. I do know, however, that, well, Pathfinder obviously has classes. It uh, stems from D&D 3.5. And uh, from what I know, two well-known RPGs that don't have classes are Shadowrun and GURPS, I don't know how to say that, a global universal role-playing system. And they're both uh, completely classless. From what I know, it's a sort of point-by thing where you pick and choose various uh, abilities or features or however you want to call them, traits, perks. And there are obviously a lot more systems, but we can't talk about them. We can't even uh, mention them because there are so many. These were just some examples to get an idea of what we're going to talk about. So, let's begin with what is a class, which is kind of an abstract thing. When you make a character, it follows a certain archetype, let's say. It has a certain theme, uh, both in mechanics and in personality, let's say, which are, aren't as disjointed as some people might think. And uh, the class is essentially this archetype or this theme, you could say. For example, in uh, D&D, you have uh, fighters, you have clerics, you have paladins, wizards, of course, rogues, all those classes. They define what a character is good at, their skills. Yeah, exactly. 
And beyond that, at least in the, in the case of Dungeons and Dragons, they give you special abilities that are completely different for each different class. I mean, you have first the baseline of what skills you are good at, the skill proficiencies or whatever. You have hit points, you have weapon proficiencies and all that stuff, which are, it is the same mechanic for every class, for every character. And you have the features for each class, which are completely different. Rogues have a completely different feature list from fighters, for example. All, and uh, although there are similarities, of course, extra attacks, spell casting, you know, all that, they are still distinct. And things become even more distinct because there are, there is also the concept of subclasses. Yeah. Which is, you focus even more on a specific thing in your class. Yeah, in this scenario you could perhaps say that in the end you have two layers of classes because for example you could uh, have every subclass be a different class totally but you have this layering of first you choose the class then you choose the subclass and sometimes in each subclass you have further options to make warlocks for example and uh, yeah in contrast let's say about open legend that we have personal experience on there are no classes There is uh, nothing one character has that the other cannot have. All characters have access to the same abilities and all the abilities without restrictions. And you sort of buy points in certain skills and through these skills you unlock the abilities. Positive which are called boons and negative which are called banes. Just a note when we say negative, negative against the Ah, opponent. Yeah, sort of attacks or debuffs for enemies, you know. Of course, no one's stopping you from using them on yourself or your allies. Yeah, sure. Uh, You can play a self-destructive gnome in an Iron Man suit that has a timer bomb strapped on its back. Sure, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, exactly that. Everyone can buy everything. As long as you follow, you know, the same progression path in your abilities. The difference is that there are many more stats. And there are also perks, which again everyone can buy. But uh, powers may require a specific level, a specific stat to be at a certain level. You may need, for example, an agility score of X in order to do that, to do a speci- to use a specific power or to use a specific level of said power. Yeah, or buy a specific perk. So in Open Legend, everything is flat. Yeah, there are no layers. Exactly. And that uh, is, let's say, the definition of a class, even though it was a bit rambling and... uh, It's fine. Yeah. So going from that, the purpose of a class, the main purpose, actually, is to give each character a very specific theme, as we said earlier. Sort of a, a recursive definition, let's say. The class is the theme of the character, and the purpose of the class is to give the character a theme. But uh, that's how it is. For example, you're a warlock, you have a very specific theme, even though there are variations upon this theme. Uh, it's a very specific thing. You get your powers from a deal with a higher power. Classes can be helpful during the design process as well, because you have to make something more defined, so you have a more refined idea in your mind on what has to be done, and moreover, interactions between features and skills aren't that many. Yeah, you mean in a balanced perspective when you design the actual system. Yeah, for example, in 5th edition, 5th edition doesn't expect that 
you will get a cleric, a 17th level cleric feature and a 17th, if there is one, level feature of um, a warlock. So yeah. they don't have to check if these two break the game. Yeah, and of course, at least in the specific example, multiclassing exists and you could have some sort of uh, yeah. strange interaction between... Uh, but you won't yeah. be able yeah. to get the 17th level feature in yeah. both classes unless you're playing Gestalt. But when you're playing Gestalt, uh, balance is out of the window anyway. Yeah, that's another main topic that I want to talk about sometime. Not <laughs> Gestalt, but uh, high levels. Mm. When you get like, like 20th level, the game sort of breaks itself. It's not exactly balanced at high levels. <laughs> the game breaks at level 11. Why? I think this is where things get more loose. Ah, yeah. Uh, anyway, back to classes, to the balance uh, thing. Uh, that is one... This is from a design perspective. That is something that makes it easier when you have classes. You don't have to worry about the interactions between them. You do have to worry, sort of, about making each class desirable, let's say. So that one class isn't worthless yeah. and no one will ever... Uh, a very known be. case of this is the Ranger fiasco yeah. of 2014. <laughs> Question, have they fixed the Ranger? There was an Unearthed Arcana, where there are two or three, I think, there were many Arcanas with Rangers, but I think in the last one they had sort of made it work. I don't remember, actually. Okay. But uh, I don't think there has been a revisit in an official... Uh, I think there uh, was something in... Zanathar's guide to everything. There were subclasses, but there was there weren't any changes in the player's handbook oh. version. There was the Gloom Stalker and uh, the Horizon Walker, I yeah, think they were called. There might be one more, but I don't think so. But there was no there weren't any changes to the Vanilla Ranger. Back to classes once again. What did I want to say about balance? Yeah, how can I say this? Uh, we were saying about the class being very weak uh, relative to others. And uh, that's an issue, certainly, but I think it's a much greater issue in a classless system. Uh, at least in uh, point by ones or that sort of thing. Because when you buy perks or features or, again, however you want to call them, having one feature being weaker than the others... It means it's never going to be picked because you sort of have this subconscious uh, push that you have a limited resource and you must spend it properly. Your points, let's say, to buy your stuff. In a system with classes, if a class feature is weak, you don't really mind it because it's given to you as part of a set and, uh, you know, you get the whole set. You don't really think about it. The other features will probably be a bit stronger. So again, the, every class will Ideally, be at the same power level. Again, ideally. It doesn't happen always, but, uh, you know, we can expect that, at least in most cases. So, uh, if you pick, let's say, a class which has a weak feature, specifically, like, uh, what sort of an example can we use here? The ability of the barbarian to cast some rituals. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, it's sort of, uh, yeah, you, you're not really excited about it. You can obviously use it, but it's not something that you're, oh, I can't wait to get to this level to get the ability to cast rituals. 
but you have other uh, features before and after that. Which means totem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the barbarian is an amazing build. Which sort of uh, make up for it. Speaking of barbarian, another example of awake classes, berserker. I don't think many people actually play that subclass. You don't even remember what it does. Also, I don't know why Barbarian had uh, initially all these bad subclasses, but it had the Berserker. I, I think it was called, it's called Berserker, I don't remember. Might be called something else. And it also had the one from Short Coast Adventurer's Guide uh, with the Battle Blade, Ranger. Uh, Battle Ranger, yeah, which was also a bit really bad <laughs> and we moved uh, off topic again and uh, yeah that's a sort of that's a thing that you really have to worry about when you make a classless system you have to pay attention to every single perk let's call them perks from now on or skills or whatever uh, that it's at least usable of course not every perk is going to be at the same power level that's impossible but you have to make them at least you know, tolerable or playable in some, in usable in some niche situations. Just don't make every perk feature of a class niche. So the idea that the barbarian at some point gets the ability to cast some rituals. Yeah, it's a niche, a niche utility ability, but the barbarian then yet can get their axe and destroy everything. Exactly. Back to the sort of definition of classes because uh, this topic in particular interests me because uh, we have been working for a few years now on a system of our own although it's a sort of on-off thing that we return occasionally and we sort of play around with ideas for mechanics but it began and it continues as a classless system and another idea I had for system was a sort of the completely other extreme of classes. You have, you know, classless systems. You have D&D, which has uh, two layers of classes, which are, you know, well-defined, but still, let's call them large enough. And I was thinking about how about, you know, some games like uh, League of Legends or Overwatch, where each character has a unique power set. And uh, you could have that as classes in a system, not, you know, the characters from Overwatch, but many, many classes that have, uh, you know, four or five features only. That would be, I think, the other extreme, uh, from classless to many very well-defined classes. Because, as I said earlier, in D&D, they are well-defined, but there is also some uh, space to move around. The way you mention it, Feels like taking a micro RPG, which in some cases has classes with a set of features, a small set of features, and making it bigger in the idea that you will have more of those classes. Yeah, yeah. I, that I actually it began as an idea for a micro RPG, but it I moved it further in my mind. It's just that in in micro RPGs. You sort of try that to cover all your bases. So if you had classes, you'd have, uh, obviously there are thousands of micro RPGs and I'm not, I can't talk for each of them, but you have as a class fighter, rogue, uh, wizard, cleric, let's say, you know, the basic archetypes. And uh, the way I was thinking it was each class would be way more niche. So you'd have, uh, you know, a pyromancer with a specific skill set 
a guy that uses a very specific weapon. It's that sort of thing. Uh, again, I used, uh, for example, Overwatch or League of Legends as an example where each character has a very specific skill set, uh, which is actually completely unique. Yeah, they fall into three categories, which are tank, uh, DPS, and support. And from there, they branch out and each of them yeah. has different skills. And now that you mentioned that even then there are categories, so again you have layers, you could call it again a class with subclasses. You could have, you know, the tank class with these further specializations or whatever. And uh, that's a random idea I had. So to cycle back to something we were talking in the beginning about the the fact that uh, classes give a theme which is both a positive and a negative because yes you have a direction you move towards and it can help especially new players so that they know what they're doing and where they're going but it's also obviously a limitation because you can't make your character exactly the way you want to you have to conform to the abilities given to you by your class and uh, obviously there are always some further forms of customizations with feats or with multi-classing, with magic items, but you are confined to your class. In contrast, in a classless system, you have complete and total freedom to make your character the way you want to. You can specialize in whatever you want, or you can be, you know, a jack-of-all-trades sort of thing. And it's the trade-off that you always have between uh, freedom and structure. As we were talking earlier, it's harder to make a classless system in terms of balance and in terms of uh, mechanics, at least the way I see it. Uh, I don't think I have something else to say. It sort of all came out in a rambling waterfall that sort of tumbled all over and went nowhere. But I hope at least you can uh, understand what I wanted to convey. I hope so as well. Future Chris... We'll have to figure for it. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out during editing. But I want to talk about from a new player perspective. So, what do you think about a classless or system or a one that uses classes for a new player? And not just for it. We're talking about a totally new player to the game. I'm going to say, and it's going to be a cop out answer. It depends, and uh, here's why. Although it might not be a reliable point of data, I'm going to talk about my father, who I have tried to teach him uh, the concepts behind Dungeons and Dragons. And it was hard to him to understand what classes do. Uh, well, it's many other issues. He doesn't know English very well. He doesn't. Uh, he's never had contact with that sort of hobby. But anyway, yeah. For him, it was difficult to grasp what a class does. So for some people it might uh, be easier for them to tell them, you know, you have all these little things, you can pick and choose however you want between them and build your own character. For others, and I think for most others, I'm going to say for most new players, yeah, classes do give that much needed structure for them. They pick the class and they don't have to worry about how it's going to go in the future, how, you know, oh, at level 10, uh, what am I going to pick to have uh, a viable character? You don't worry, the class gives you the feature and you don't complain about it. I mean, maybe you do if it's a bad feature, but yeah, <laughs> you get my point. I'm going to say 
for new players, systems with classes will probably be easier to understand. It might be a bit more difficult for them to know... Uh, how do I say this? To know every aspect of the system. For example, if you have a rogue and a fighter and a cleric and a wizard in a party, one of these new players won't understand what the others are doing. Because there is that complete uh, distinction between classes. There is no overlap in their abilities. So, you know, a wizard casts a spell, the rogue won't know what that does. But you could say exactly the same thing for a classless system, that it could be even harder because you have all the options available to you. Yeah, I was going to say that. So a rogue that you mentioned has, let's say, X features, and the wizard has a limited number of spells as well. So, So while they get to learn their character, they can explain what they're doing to the others as well. And since the stuff they have for their character is more limited... It's, it's easier to master. Yeah. And so, and so easier to explain to someone else. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, as you mentioned, on the other hand, you may have a vague understanding of a skill in a classless uh, system because you may have used it, but then you have a huge pool. Yeah. Speaking of going back a bit to the new players, I would suggest a bit of topic. Start with one such. Don't start with campaigns. Or with long-term, uh, you know, sessions that last more than once, one meeting. Especially Play with uh, throwaway characters until they get to learn uh, how to make attacks and uh, how to cast a spell and all that stuff. That goes to a specific player and friend in a group. Shout out <laughs> <laughs> to Dimitris, who is leaving to go be a teacher in an island for a year. Yeah. So he'll be talking to us through the internet and hopefully we'll be able to play. I don't know what's going to happen. This was probably better in the news section or in the what have you been up to. Ah, whatever. But yeah. We have... It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. But on the other hand, since he won't have someone next to him to explain what he's... He will to have do, to learn it on yeah, his own. he's going to have to learn. Or oh. he will just ask, how does this work? And we'll be like, oh, what are you talking about? And he won't be able to explain it because he doesn't know the mechanics. And we will all suffer together. He or he will roll the wrong dice and we won't be able to know. Because... Go- yeah, but I was going to ask, does he have dice? No, I don't, I, know. I, I, I don't know. No, I think no. Oh, crap. He's, and he's leaving today, tonight. And if he, he may even have left. I need to go get him dice. Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't mind when we're playing online uh, sessions to roll with dice. Actually, I actually I encourage my players to roll dice. But yeah, he'll have to use <laughs> online uh-huh. digital uh-huh. rollers. Uh-huh. So yeah, I think that's it for the main topic. I think we spoke about everything we wanted to in a very vague, structured. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I no. mean. Uh, I think we could have a bit more structure, but then we would talk for a lot longer. We just mimicked a classless system. Yeah. And now it's time to pay a visit to the Chaos Archives. This episode's Chaos Archives are gonna be are gonna be more ordered than usual. Every August, an event takes place, which is called RPG a Day. And for each day of the month, there is 
a prompt. This has changed over the years. A few years back there were actual questions. Now there are just words. There is a word for each day, so it's um, very abstract and you can write anything you like. And one of those words was the word banner. And I ended up creating a magic item, which was a magic banner. So let me talk about the banner I have created. It's called Banner of the Last Breath. It's a, a very over-the-top... Uh, kind of overpowered magic item, it's a wondrous legendary item that requires attunement. The Banner of the Last Breath must be held in order for its effects to take place. If its bearer voluntarily leaves it, the effects immediately stop and they need to hold it for one minute before they manifest again. If its bearer involuntarily leaves it, they have until the end of their next turn to pick it up again, or the effects stop and they have to hold it for one minute before they manifest again. This is pretty much, you can't cheese your way to victory with this banner, you have to actually be able to hold it, you can't put it down, attack, pick it up again. It doesn't work this way, it isn't meant to work this way. The Banner of the Last Breath forms a 30 feet radius aura around its bearer. All allies of the bearer inside the radius get a plus one to attacks and damage rolls and cannot be frightened. Because, you know, you are rallied by the banner, which was also the purpose, the initial purpose of banners. The bearer can also activate its secondary effect. When they do, they become immune to all damage for one minute, have advantage on attack rolls, and divine light emanates from the banner. Any enemy of the bearer that enters or finds themselves inside the aura must make a DC 13 wisdom saving throw or be blinded for one minute. They may make the saving throw again at the end of each of their turns. A creature that has succeeded on the saving throw cannot be affected again by this effect for 24 hours. When the duration of the secondary effect ends, or when the bearer decides to end it earlier, the bearer dies and any ally inside the aura's radius is resurrected. The bearer cannot be resurrected in any way. So it's an over-the-top magic item that uh, I wanted to create. And you succeeded, I would say. Yeah, I got Although the... you could say that, uh, you know, the bearer can be resurrected by wish or something like that. Because it usually... Uh, wish is the highest tier of magic. Well, if you want to resurrect the bearer, you can talk to a god. I don't want the wish spell to resurrect the bearer. <laughs> no, yeah, they can. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want another player to mechanically be able to resurrect that. Uh, yeah, player because the player character, the... but it's uh, it's quite powerful. I mean, you can resurrect everyone around you. Yeah, but the uh, thing is. Uh, you, everyone that has died around you has died for probably less than a minute, right? Yeah. Which is a third level spell, Revivify. Yeah, again. Uh, yeah. So, and, uh, Wish has the other thing that you have, you always have the possibility that you lose access to it. You can't cast it again. Every time you cast Wish. Yes. And, and you don't copy the effects of another spell, there's a 33% chance that you won't be able to use it again. So there is this restriction, but uh, you know, I I like the item as it is. I don't. Uh... I was thinking this can have story elements as well. Yeah, so yeah. a character decides to die with this awesome way because they become a superpower badass yeah. for some time and then resurrect their friends and then they die. It's not the bad way for a character to die. I think. No, not at all. It can have many alternate versions, as I think about, but. I like this idea. 
the idea for banners, for over-the-top banners, came from Warhammer 4000. 4000? Yeah, 40,000. Because some guys have a banner that is literally a dead soldier <laughs> on it. Yeah. The actual soldier, not an image of the dead soldier. Yeah, yeah. The skeleton. Yeah, the skeleton. Just like on their seals, I think. Yeah, some of them have skeletons on their seals. Although, aren't they supposed to be skeletons of space marines? Yeah, they're uh, space marine uh, skeletons. Because space marines hold those banners. Yeah, but uh, those skeletons, from what I remember, have ribs. And space marines don't have ribs. They have just one giant (laughs) metal uh, ceramic... uh, bone uh, thing that covers everything in their torso. Well, they... They trim it down. Yeah, they trim it down to make it look beautiful. Yeah. It's like how you have um, people groomed dead before the funeral. Yeah. You have a guy with a massive plasma cutter trying to cut the bone into ribs. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's all for this episode's Chaos Archives. As I said again, the item is available on my blog. Thank you for visiting the Chaos Archives. You will come again. Moving on to our next segment, which is the die roll of the day. The die roll of the day. day. So today's die roll of the day comes from another old blog post of mine, which was 10 encounters for a desert oasis. So I had made a D10 table, which is... A combination, I'd say, of an encounter table and plot holes. Because each entry features a monster, but there is a small piece of backstory in each entry. So, would you like to roll first? Sure. Here we go. I rolled a 6. Let's see. Giant Ape, CR7. A pack of apes under the leadership of a giant ape have taken this oasis as their territory and are terrorizing anyone who approaches. There doesn't always have to be an exotic beast or a creature from another plane that can cause problems. These are animals that follow their instinct, and that tells them that an oasis is a good place to call home. What are the players going to do? Go all murder hobo or find another solution. This is an opportunity to show them that their actions have consequences. The pack of apes may be keeping another wild beast at bay, that could prove more dangerous to those passing by the oasis. It's a good idea. It uh, mentions some of the previous uh, encounters when it says uh, when it talks about exotic beasts or creatures from other planes. Yeah, it uh, does indeed uh, give the players an option since they're just you know animals. It's not like they are you know evil and we must uh, you know purify the oasis or something. Of course, most of the players are just going to slaughter them anyway, but uh, it's good to have the option. Well, if they slaughter them, there are going to be consequences. As you said, yeah. So, my turn. Let me roll not a 6. I rolled a 1, which is not a 6. So, this is a success. So, number 1. Bandits. CR18. What did you expect? Of course there's going to be bandits in in an oasis. That's where they can probably get lots of loot. I wouldn't put their out there, though, because merchants would definitely avoid it. You can even adjust the difficulty for this encounter pretty easily. You can add as many bandits as you want, and also a couple of bandit captains to lead them. And who knows, one of the captains may even have a rug of smothering. Yeah, this is the simplest one, I think. But, yeah, 
in a desert, the oasis is a perfect place for an ambush. To... Because most people will stop there. Exactly. Although when you, you said you can add as many bandits as you want, I was thinking just thousands upon thousands of bandits erupting from the lake. You know? <laughs> there is a geyser of yeah. bandits in the lake. So let's. And then the wizard casts fireball and they all die instantly. And the lake evaporates. The oasis dies, and people hunt the wizard. And the wizard casts fireball again because <laughs> you know wizards do whatever they <laughs> comes to them, comes to mind without any regard for consequences. Why don't you roll again? We have plenty of good options here. Sure. I rolled a one. Why don't you roll again? <laughs> We have many good options here. I rolled a nine. Oh. My dog is crying and wants to enter the podcast recording area. But he's not... Uh, he doesn't have any clearance. Go back to the shadows. So, 9. Married. CR 11. Genies are not the wish-granting beings from the fairy tales. They are egotistical elementals that live to fulfill their own wishes. That's why a married appeared in the material plane. It wants more mortal slaves because some of its old ones have expired. It may have already captured some travelers that had stopped at the oasis, so it could be interested in some gambling with the characters in order to entertain itself. If they win, they get a wish. If they lose, they will become its new slaves. Imagine getting a wish at level 11. Though how you word it will be... Yeah, especially with marriage. It's probably not gonna be a wish-wish. Yeah, and even if it is... Again, wish has limitations in, uh, you know, how much gold you can create and uh, that sort of thing. So it's not like... I think the best uh, way to invest a wish is to ask for a deck of many things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so many good stuff in there. Yeah, I'm going to respectfully disagree. <laughs> how many cards would you draw? All of them. All of them, Yeah. <laughs> Although I think one card is that you instantly die and can't be revived. Yeah, and one is that you're trapped in a demiplane hell or something. Yeah. And one, one is that you lose two levels. All your possessions. Yeah. Uh, death oh. comes to fight you. Yeah. So much goodness. Yeah. You can't say no to that. There is, I think there is a card that uh, makes you lose all your magic items. Uh, but I don't remember if it affects artifacts. Because otherwise, you know, you get the, you know, the Eye of Vecna and you go and you just start throwing cards <laughs> again until... Uh... <laughs> or if you lose the... Or if you indeed lose artifacts, so you have the Eye of Vecna and you throw that card and, and suddenly you have no eye. <laughs> and I think you die instantly From... if you lose the eye but the hand. Would that work? I mean... the. It just vanishes. I don't know. It, the implications are It turns are to weird. dust. I think the wording is it turns to dust. So destroying the Eye of Vecna. Ooh. Although it probably wouldn't work on that. Yeah, too bad. But anyway. Anyway. We're done. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, I'm very happy with the way we're doing the podcast. Of course, it would always it could always be much better. But we have every month. Yeah, consistency is key. Of course, there is always room for improvement. Obviously. There isn't... I don't think perfection is a thing. Yeah, obviously. Perfection cannot be attained. That's why you have to constantly chase it. 
Yeah. Very deep, very philosophical. Let's talk about this for one more hour. And don't forget, subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our mailing list. Especially that. Especially that. Uh, one page dungeon coming when we hit 100 subscribers. And more stuff will come, including more free stuff, more, more new content, discount codes. Yes. You will be able to keep up with everything because right now we have a YouTube channel, which you should subscribe. We have this podcast. And while it's on the YouTube channel, it is also available on SoundCloud, which you should also go there and subscribe. And maybe leave a, a nice comment, a nice review. And you can also leave a review for the podcast on Podchaser and iTunes. Google Podcasts hates Greece, so it's not there yet. But there is still hope. Also, if you have any comments or questions especially, leave them as a comment. We want to hear anything and everything you have to say so that we can talk about it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. Let us know everything. And if you're shy, you can send privately a question or your thoughts on something that you would like us to, to talk about on the email podcast.thekindgm at gmail.com. Yes, what else do we have? Patreon. Yeah, I have a Patreon. It is meant to provide maintenance to all our creative endeavors. The blog, the channel, the podcast. SoundCloud. Yeah, the podcast. And hopefully at some point it will be able to fund some more publishing endeavors. Yes. Also, there are some special stuff available for patrons. For example, the library, which has... Items, creatures. Yeah, it's um, it's a place where you can find everything I create, or almost everything, in one place. Because at its current version, the blog is an absolute mess. You can't really find everything, but... On the library, everything is there in beautiful categorized folders. Maps, magic items, creatures, and anything in between. Discord? Of course, we have a Discord. Which is now open to the public. Yes, it's kinda in beta. I haven't really announced it, but I will leave for a link down below for those brave individuals who will finish this episode to yes. join us. It's half public, half Patreon, but the more the merrier, and that's why I opened it to the public. And uh, finally, thank you to my patrons, Foot of the Mountain Adventures, Dragons in Dungeons, Mick Barbarian, Lazy Spade, Anastasius, your co-host. Hello. I think that's all for today. Yeah. There will be links for everything we just talked about in the description. So many links. So many links. And, hopefully you will be able to click on each segment on YouTube. I will try to do that this time. Yeah. Although it's very easy. Yeah. yeah. But I have to go and find the timestamp. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for watching. And until next time, have fun. Have fun.